everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is the lovely, wonderful Jonathan Strickland. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Oh, oh, okay, it's going to be hard to fit through the, the webcam. It's okay, I can't eat it anyway. Aww. <laughs> well, uh, listeners, thank you for joining us today. We've already had all of our geeky conversation before we hit record, but yeah, uh, yeah, we, we you missed us talking about geeky cruises and geeky trips to geeky other countries to watch geeky plays featuring geeky actors and a a geeky show. <laughs> yeah, we we went all about that stuff, and now we're just gonna talk about the stuff what we wrote down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we should start like last week. I remember <laughs> with uh, if we've watched or done anything geeky this week. Yeah. So uh, for me, um, I mean, it's not that geeky, but I did try and I caught up on Night Court. And uh, one of the more recent episodes of Night Court has a wonderful little nod to the fact that John Larroquette played a Klingon in Star Trek three the search for spock uh if you recall in star trek three christopher lloyd aka doc brown in back to the future played the leader of a, a crew of klingons and john larroquette was one of that crew and uh there's a i don't want to spoil it but there is a very cute reference to that in that episode of night court uh i will say this i keep watching night court I keep feeling like it's a show out of time because it really does feel like it belongs back in the eighties and nineties with their very corny humor and the over the top laugh track. Like it just doesn't feel modern at all. When we got used to like all those shows like the office and parks and rec and stuff where you had the, the more uh, almost documentarian style of comedy, Mm -hmm. it really feels like a weird throwback, but I still enjoy the performances and I still enjoy some of the gags. I just don't feel like I, I don't feel like I could say it's a good show. <laughs> I I agree with you. And I'm going to say, you know, I was like, oh, there's a, you told us about the Christmas special. And so wondering what to watch, I was like, oh, I should watch a Christmas special and start catching up now that Night Court's coming back out. And then I realized that I had stopped at the wedding episode in season one where she was on the rooftop with her dress and they're like, hey, let's use the courthouse for a wedding. And I thought that was the season finale, but there's like six episodes after that, five or six episodes after that. Uh, So I'm actually, so I watched a Christmas episode and then I had to go back and start watching last season. Um, But I do want to catch up on on Klingon Night Court. Um, and then I think this week, Raj from Big Bang Theory will be on there. Cool. And uh, that's that's pretty much it for me. I don't, th- I can't think of anything else I've done that's particularly geeky. I've been really kind of trying to get back into the swing of things with work and stuff. Obviously, when you, when you have a bunch of medical stuff, it can waylay you. And then like, you're, you're just, trying to get back into like the the pace of things that's kind of where i'm at now but ariel what about you what sort of geeky things have you enjoyed recently uh so much i haven't watched more fargo but that's okay i, I feel like that's only tangentially geeky that's like yeah it's kind of like i i still haven't caught up on true detective and i keep meaning to i keep thinking i need to watch it and i haven't <laughs> Yeah, but I'm almost caught up on Percy Jackson. I'm kind of delaying this last one because Lance Reddick plays Zeus, and that's still a little sad. Um, he passed away recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started Fantasy High Junior Year on Dropout, uh, which is so weird, and I have so many theories, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody if anybody here also watches it. Uh, um, but it's been interesting. Um, and then I watched the second season of He-Man, so... He-Man Revelation, I think, is the second season. But it's interesting because it's not counting it as a season. It's counting as it as its own show on mm. Netflix. So there's only five episodes, even though it is a continuation of what happened in the previous five episodes by the same voice actors and, and Kevin Smith and all of them. So Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's, okay. I mean, just like the first season or the first series, it, it at times it was a little heavy-handed in the message, but it's he-man um 
And I yeah, found not, it quite enjoyable. Ne- never known to be subtle, Mr. He-Man. Yeah. So uh, that's that's it for me, I think. Yeah, I, I plan on indulging in a lot more stuff in the near future. I've got some books and stuff I want to jump into and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So maybe maybe by the next time we record, I'll have some more geeky stuff to talk about for my own personal life. But for now... I suppose we should just get into the swing of 30 seconds or less because we got a whole bunch of them. Yes. Okay. Well, and I believe I start. Do I not? You do. You do. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Warner Brothers Discovery has their new Kara Zor-El, a.k.a. Supergirl. And it's not Sasha. That's that's the actress who played the character in last year's The Flash. Instead, Millie Alcock, who played young Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen in the first season of The House of the Dragon, will be donning the cape and tights. This version is said to be more emotionally damaged than others, so that should be fun. I am still excited to see what James Gunn does with the universe. I like... Oh, sorry. Okay, this is 30 seconds or less. Uh... Anyhow, uh, next, also speaking of fun and not dark, psych, uh, <laughs> I'm aging myself. Uh, Haley Atwell is now going to be a part, has been announced as a part of the voice cast for Rogue Trooper, which I believe is one of the stories in the 2000 AD kind of anthology comic. Um, I'm not super familiar with 2000 AD, but I do know that other things that have come out of that have been like Judge Dredd. And the writer is uh, Jerry Finley Day, who wrote Watchmen, or was, uh, oh, 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 no, sorry. Ha! It's written by Jerry Finley Day, and Dave Gibbons, who is the artist for Watchmen, is involved. This tells you how much I know about all of this, uh, specifically. Um, But it should be interesting. Other voice actors in it include Jemaine Clement from Flight of the Concords and Matt Berry from What We Do in the Shadows. And I think that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I like all those actors and Haley Atwell is dreamy. And they okay. also, they also, they also, uh, break down kind of what the story's about in the article that we'll post on our website. Excellent. Okay. Back to Warner Brothers Discovery and the DCU. So James Gunn says that Peacemaker Season 2 is his next project once he wraps up Superman Legacy. This is another one of those pesky points of connective tissue between the just-concluded DCEU and the upcoming not-really-a-fresh-slate DCU. I'm not complaining, as I look forward to this second season, but the DC situation remains pretty messy, in my opinion. Uh, continuing on the messy DC train, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League video game uh, got uh, released to some people for early access with a huge bug recently where when they started the game, they finished the game with everything unlocked and spoilers. The, the game was like pretty much immediately taken down and they started looking for uh, the, the bug for that to fix it because nobody wants the complete game unlocked as soon as you start it. Well, not nobody, probably most people. Uh, Rocksteady says that they've now identified the bug and it's the fix has been rolled out. Um, it has been up and down for maintenance since then, but you can play the game now because it's out today for everybody. The February 2nd, as we're recording this. Yes. All right. Also, This week, Sony held its PlayStation State of Play event and showed off trailers for a whole bunch of upcoming games, including, but not uh, not exhaustively, uh, there's a new Sonic game called Sonic X Shadow Generations. There's a free-to-play Silent Hill game called The Short Message that's available right now. There's a remake of Silent Hill 2 on the way there. And we got some peeks at some games like Judas, which was from the creator of Bioshock, as well as a sequel to the fantasy game Dragon's Dogma. And finally, Death Stranding 2. You get to pee a lot more. (laughs) That was a thing in Death Stranding. I don't know what to tell you. I haven't I haven't played it. I've heard it's interesting, but it also doesn't sound like it's super for me. Um, Speaking of interesting and. Not super for me, but I'm willing to give it a try. Henry Cavill's Warhammer 40,000 is still in the works. He couldn't really talk about what's going on, but he says big things are happening and they are very excited. I'm excited because he's excited. And when 
I like Henry Cavill. I'm excited about the things he gets to do where he gets to be a bit more of a goofball like Argyle. Uh, one of the trailers we're going to talk about later in the episode. And then uh, just his his geekiness about Warhammer. Um, I hope that translates into a great story. So I'm excited. Uh, I don't know. I, I've heard it's just going to be 72 hours of him painting miniatures. So I mean, some people uh, some people would fall asleep to that, Jonathan. That's true. It is like ASMR. Okay. Yes. Were you a fan of the Not Really a Zombie zombie movie 28 Days Later and its sequel 28 Weeks Later? Well, get ready because Sony has picked up the next sequel 28 Years Later. Alex Garland, who wrote 28 Days Later, and Denny Boyle, who directed it, are behind the sequel. Killian Murphy, who starred in the original movie, is an executive producer of the new film, and he may even act in it, though that hasn't yet been confirmed. Rage! I actually liked those scary movies. I did like I, I uh, have not seen I haven't seen 28 weeks later, but 28 days later is one of my favorite horror films. It's really well done. It's really well done. Um, I, the story was great, so I, I liked it a lot. Mm. Um, and not just because um, David Eccleston was in it. Uh, <laughs> Dennis Villeneuve, uh, I probably mispronounced that. I actually looked up how to pronounce his last name. Because I'm sure it's not Villanovu, which is what I keep saying in my personal life when I read it. Uh, said that after Dune 3, he is done making Dune movies. Um, so Dune 3 will be Messiah. It's probably going to take a while after the second one comes out. Uh, because it took six years to make the first two. Um, I personally think that that's a great choice. Because I think the further you get into the Dune books, the weirder it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney Sweeney takes a break from being euphoric to star in a religious themed horror film titled Immaculate. Sweeney plays a young nun who finds herself in the family way, despite, you know, not having had sex. But she worries that the father of her unborn child is not of divine origins. The trailer includes some very disturbing imagery and looks like a harrowing supernatural thriller. It is not Ariel related, so I didn't make her watch it. Thank you. You're the best. Uh, one of the many, many reasons we're friends. Uh, less scary. Is It Cake has been renewed for a third season. That's the show on Netflix where they try to make cake look like unedible objects, usually. Sometimes it's other edible objects. And uh, judges have to decide whether it's cake or the real object. It's the schlocky and it's fun, but it's also super creative um, or it's yeah, whatever. It's schlocky and it's fun and it's super creative. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Blumhouse has a cool collaboration coming up with the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. The Stanley Hotel served as the inspiration for the Overlook Hotel in Stephen King's novel, The Shining. Now, the hotel has 10,000 square foot event space, and Blumhouse intends to use that as a sort of horror film museum showcasing props and costumes from Blumhouse's own rather impressive catalog of horror films, TV series, and games. Now, keep in mind, this is not the same hotel that shows up in the film version of The Shining. That was a hotel that was in Oregon, not in Colorado. Interesting. That does sound fun, though. I need to still watch The Shining. I'm, it's it's a I'm classic. Told, I'm told that maybe that's not actually a good decision, but I feel like that's one that if I don't watch, I am missing out. I do feel like this. Uh, so our meat of our episode, I also feel like could have just been a very extended long 30 seconds or less, but we'll probably talk about a lot of it. Um, yeah. So that's our that's our 30 seconds or less. Um, I failed this week at keeping it at 30 seconds. Uh, I apologize. I owe you. Uh, I don't know. Something. A, a Coke. I, I, uh, I script mine out now to try and avoid going too long because if I am, if I extemporize, it will go forever, but we oh. have lots of stories that we want to chat about in our regular lineup. First up, we have a, a sad bit of news, uh, that we, we lost a, a, a legend, a Broadway legend this week at Cheetah Rivera and she starred in numerous very uh, famous musicals, including Bye Bye Birdie. Uh, she was, she was Rosalita. 
and uh, my favorite Rosalita of all the Rosalitas. Uh, so uh, we just wanted to say, like, we salute Cheetah Rivera and her incredible contributions to art. Uh, she was a phenomenal, vibrant um, actress for many years. Yes. And it's very sad. Uh, to take a complete 180 on what we're talking about, uh, Quantum Leap's getting a second season, which is cool. Uh, Collider shared a clip from season two. And this was a show that I wanted to watch and then completely fell off my radar and I forgot it existed. But I went and I watched the clip for season two and it actually looks really cute and the characters look likable. And so now I want to go back and watch it again. Yeah, I thought the clip looked good. I thought it looked like it felt like it had a little bit of that same energy of the original Quantum Leap series and um, and and yet updated. Right. Like it didn't feel like it was stuck in that same era, but it felt like it like in spirit, it was a spiritual successor. So I think it looks like it's pretty high quality. I, too, did not watch the first season. Um, I, I had probably some preconceived ideas about what was going on. What I thought was interesting is that between seasons one and season two, there's been a three year jump in time. So that we've seen a few shows do that. Like, Ariel, you mentioned the last time we recorded that you finished Barry. So I wonder how you felt about that particular time jump, because that threw me off the first time I saw it. It was easier because I was binging it, I will say. Because they deal in the absurd sometimes it was it was a little bit like, is this is this real? Yeah, Um, no, I spent like the whole time going like, is this going to turn out to just be a fantasy? And it's I'm going to be spending this whole half hour waiting to find out that it's a dream. But no. But yeah, um, I think it looks like a a, like a well-made show. I don't know if I'm going to watch it like I might try it out and see because it at least looks like it could be pretty entertaining. And goodness knows uh, I could use something that's not as dark and gritty as a lot of the other stuff I've been watching recently. That's that's the problem I've been had and been having. And it sounds like there's some dark stuff. And I'm actually going to I'm horrible and my reading comprehension is bad. Uh, it's the remaining episodes of season two. So some of the episodes have already been out, but it's been over a month and they took like a mid-season break. So ah, gotcha. So they've been on hiatus. Yeah. So that's that's what's going on. But yeah, if you watch Quantum Leap, you can now catch up and I'm going to try to get I think I'm going to catch up from the beginning because I do think even if there's some darker moments, it'll be lighter than things like Squid Game and Barry and Fargo. And Fargo. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. I want to watch something light. What can I do? Okay. So now we're watching hell's kitchen because <laughs> I know, right. Lighter. When it, That's it's kind of depressing when you're looking around for something lighthearted and the only things that are available are in sort of the reality television genre, mm-hmm. because even in reality television, you know, there's some stuff that's just fun and, and lighthearted and, and enjoyable, but there's other stuff where it just feels trashy. <laughs> And you're like, mm-hmm. like, can I please get maybe some fictional like narrative stuff that is more lighthearted, perhaps something, perhaps something that's maybe a little more sophisticated than Night Court. Uh, well, and so far, the answer has been no for me. I mean, so like there are lots of sitcoms out there and I tend to I tend to get get into sitcoms later. Like it took me I watched a little bit of New Girl and then I had to come back to it like a year or two later. Um, I didn't catch up till after it had ended. Um, same thing with Blackish. Uh, I did. I was watching Blackish when they had the final season, but I wasn't caught up. I started watching that late. Um, gosh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Parks and Rec, Office. I both started late. Abbott Elementary. I started on time, but I've fallen behind on. I feel like that's it's half '90s sitcom and half modern sitcom, but it's also very true to the educational system. So. Uh, Maybe that's a, a good one if you haven't tried it. I do know that this new season is going to have some like dropout people on it. A couple of of people who cycle through their cast are going to be on season three of Abbott Elementary. So from Dropout TV, you mean from yeah from Dropout TV. So gotcha. uh, Camilla and I can't remember the other person. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, um, uh, speaking speaking of season twos, we our next story is about the trailer we got for Halo season two. Uh, I will admit I did not watch Halo season one. 
I watched this trailer and it's clear that it's covering some of the same material as the the reach game in Halo, um, which uh, I know how that story ends. So I'm not sure that I'm going to tune into this. I don't know how that story ends. I watched like the first episode and a half, maybe two episodes of Halo. It wasn't bad, but it was one of those ones that like it might have moved too slow to keep keep my attention from the yeah. time of stopping it to starting it again. Right. Where and you, I mean, if you don't really connect with a character to the point where that can pull you through, that can be a real problem. And I wasn't getting a whole lot of personality in this trailer. But again, it's a short little trailer. So it may very well be that I just haven't seen like the only personality I was getting was from a character who clearly is meant to be something of an antagonist. And I'm like, well, your most interesting character, as far as I can tell, is the bad guy. And that's a problem. Uh, But I don't know. Maybe that was just because the way the trailer was constructed. It might be. I know Master Chief is kind of he's a straight man, right? Um, yeah, he's he's like the he's like Jack Reacher, right? You're like he's an enormous mountain of muscle with a limited personality and uh, just a determination to see his duty through. And that's about it. And I love Pablo Schreiber. He played uh, he played the the leprechaun in American Gods. Um, so I know that he can he can be effervescent and a ton of fun to watch. So um, it might it might be the scripting. It might be the character. Uh, it might be I didn't give it enough of a chance. Well, it, uh, not to spoil it or anything, but if you want to know a little bit about the Reach story, all I can say is rocks fall. Everybody dies. <laughs> OK, that, no, that's actually helpful because I'm the kind of person who who uh, tries to remember to visit. Does the dog die before I watch anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, and that's that's assuming that they're going by the same story that the games did. But that th- here's the other thing I have other the other obstacle I face when it comes to really any video game, ad- uh, like an adaptation of a video game into some other form of media. It's that the thing that made the video game interesting to me was the fact that I was in control and that I was the one experiencing these things. Even if it's vicariously through the avatar of a video game character, I'm the one who's dictating all that stuff. And that's where it's interesting. Making that interesting for me to watch is a lot harder. Yeah. Not everything can be last of us. Uh (laughs) Very true. I still have friends who are like, I lived through the video game and I got to control it. I don't need to watch the TV show. And I'm like, but you do, but you do. I mean, I haven't played the video game, but you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, last of us is, I would agree with you is an exception to the rule. They did a, a great job in adapting the story and making it something compelling to watch, not just play. Yeah. Uh, something that I don't know. I'm curious to find if you found it compelling to watch is the trailer for the second best hospital in the galaxy, which is going to be an Amazon cartoon. It feels kind of in the um, in the vibe of Lower Decks or uh, the the episode of Invincible where they're on the space station with not Invincible, but all the aliens. I The vibe I got was like a less uh, vulgar Rick and Morty without it being as f- without it being funny. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. I, I watched the trailer and I'm like, none of this is even remotely funny to me. And these are like talented actors who are voicing the characters. It's not the performances that are falling flat. I'm just like watching the setups and jokes. Cause they, that's what they are. They are setups and jokes. It's, it's not like it's meant to be a drama. If it were a dramatic animated series then obviously saying it's not funny would not be a criticism but ariel i didn't i didn't find anything in that trailer to be even remotely amusing i i at the end of it i thought amazon famously has cut way back on not as much as netflix did but cut way back on things like animated series how did this get by and other stuff get get the chopping block. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just me because I watched it and I'm like, ah, do I even put this in? But it is a, you know, it's a, it's a sci-fi cartoon. So I did. 
Um, but yeah, it also wasn't funny to me. Uh, and I know like if I talked with my friends about it, they'd be like, why is Vox Machina only getting a season three? Uh, but this is coming out, you know? Uh, yeah. No, to me, like that's a legit criticism. I'm, as I said, like when you know that stuff is getting cut, like it's not going to make it to, to production. And then you see something like this. You're like, who is the one calling the shots? And is it, do are they like married to someone who made the show? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, different people like different things. I don't like has I should, but I don't like has been hotel. Um, I I'm glad other people do because I want every musical television show to be popular so that we get more musical television shows. Um, but like some people find it hilarious and I found it not funny. So, yeah. well, I, I agree with you that this was not a very, funny trailer. Maybe other people do find it really funny. I shouldn't say it's bad. I know I, I, I should avoid that. I should say it did not at all resonate with me. And, you know, maybe it was just a really bad trailer. Maybe it turns mm -hmm. out that if I were to watch the show, I would get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So I'll try to keep an open mind, but it was not a good first impression. Yeah. Kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Honor Among Thieves did not have good trailers. Yeah. Yeah. That also didn't give a good first impression. When I finally saw that, I thought it was entertaining. I still didn't think it was great, but I will say the malfunctioning uh, illusion of the bard made me <laughs> snort coffee. I was laughing yes. so hard. Yes. Very good. Uh, so funny. Um, maybe it's ghosts. Maybe ghosts are in charge of the new Amazon lineup and they're just out of touch with what live people want. Well, then we need to bust them. Oh, that's <laughs> no, you're right. If they're not giving us good television, then we need to bust them. Uh, that's our, our very smooth segue into the new Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailer. Yeah, which <laughs> shows us a lot more of uh, of Ray. You know, we get a lot more of the uh, the old Ghostbusters in this one. And it's cute. Like, I thought this trailer looked pretty entertaining. I thought it looked like. So when I remember when I still haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I know I know I am way behind on this, but those trailers for Afterlife made me feel like, oh, they're reveling in the nostalgia of the first mm -hmm. movie, but they're not making it like as funny of a comedy like they're. They're they're making reverence of all this stuff, but it's not like the whole point of Ghostbusters is that it's a goofy comedy about pest control. But this this is more like, oh, let's let's hold up all these things as iconic imagery and make it less about it being a really kind of dry, funny, witty comedy. And so it, it kind of lost me. This one feels like it's recapturing some of that comedic ground uh thanks in large part to bill murray and <laughs> and i'm hopeful that it will be something that resonates more with me so i will say the main characters of ghostbusters afterlife are kids so that's something like if that just turns you off you're not going to enjoy it and i'm not saying that it does uh what i will say is yes ghostbusters afterlife is a love letter to the first two ghostbusters really the first one, but the first two Ghostbuster movies. Um, and it is funny and the characters are charming. It's got Paul Rudd, you know, he's genuine, generally funny. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but the kids do a great job too. At least the, the, the main girl, uh, in it does. Um, I found, I found the bits that were not the love letter to Ghostbusters more funny and more charming and more endearing and more engaging than all of the self-referential stuff it did in afterlife. Because that was that it felt very Shrek asking, like, see what we did. We're referencing something you love, you know, Which um, is and some of it kind of like how, when Futurama came back, Futura like that first episode when Futurama came back the first time, it was so self-referential that I'm like, please get over yourself and just make a funny show again. Yeah. Yeah. So like I love Dan Aykroyd and I love the bit. If someone says you're a God Ray, you say yes or whatever the line is. Mm -hmm. uh, but being like it, 
you could see it coming from a thousand miles away in Afterlife when they referenced that line. And then I was like, okay, you're just, you're referencing this line because everybody loves this line. So you wanted to put it in. I agree with you. This one feels more, more like it has more of the charm of the original Ghostbusters to me. My husband would disagree. He still doesn't know what to feel about it. But I think that's because they're including the characters, but they aren't leaning so heavily on their previous success. Yeah. Again, it feels more like an extension of the Ghostbusters film as opposed to a uh, let's let's pay reverence to this Mm -hmm. very funny comedy from the 1980s. So I think it's a better step. And again, maybe if I watch Ghostbusters Afterlife, I'll come away with a different opinion. It's just those trailers kind of turned me off on it because it felt it felt like it was leaning too hard on the. Let's find another way to reference an iconic moment from those first two films. Uh, there's some cute stuff that happens in the this trailer. So I definitely feel like this is something I'll I'll uh, enjoy more Uh I'm hopeful once it comes out, I, I do look forward to seeing it. By the way, side note has nothing to do with the movie, but uh, there was a Finn Wolfhard sighting among our friend group this past week. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was out walking uh, along the Chattahoochee and got a text message from our friend Mandy. And she said that Finn Wolfhard was in the bar that she works at and she was trying very hard not to fangirl out. <laughs> That's adorable. I am. Yeah. Um, I know I have I've had to fight fangirling before, but it's it's not something I do super, super often because I'm just very like one. I'm a, a little bit of an introvert and a little socially awkward, but I'm acutely aware that this other person probably gets bothered all the time and may not want it. Now that's not true for all, all celebrities. Some people love hearing, you know, just a nice, I really enjoy your work. Thank you. Everybody enjoys that. Right. But yeah, um, I'm always, I'm always hesitant to ever be like, Oh my God, this person, I love you. So, yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. Like I always, I try to take those moments like, only when I feel that pretty certain that I'm not going to bother them. Like they're not in the middle of something else. Like I, I would never ever walk up to anyone while they're eating, for example, ever like that's never going to happen. In fact, I had the opportunity to say hi to Tim Curry while he was eating and I did not take it. Um, uh, and that nearly killed me, but I did it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I feel the same way. Like it's, it's a concern because I get it, it for you as a fan. It's, an incredibly special, like once in a lifetime moment. But for them, it's like the 50th time that day they've met with someone where they were having that special once in a lifetime moment. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very different experience on the other side. So I, I, I agree with you. I try to, I try to rein it in too. And I'm sure that our friend Mandy kept yeah. it professional and just, uh, uh, restricted her fangirl moments to text messages to friends. And that being said, Outside of like Dragon Con or like sets and whatever, I rarely see celebrities. I know they're all over Atlanta and either I just don't notice them or I'm never in the right place at the right time. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say like if I were in an elevator with a celebrity and I happen to make eye contact with them because, you know, sometimes you can't avoid it. I would be like, hey, by the way, you're awesome. I like your work. And then stare straight at the doors until I got out. Um. Yeah, I uh, I I lack observational skills. So <laughs> I have a feeling that there are celebrities around me more frequently than I, uh, I realize. And it's just the fact that I am so unobservant. Mm-hmm. I just don't notice, also, but um, also you're a celebrity yourself. Oh, so... shush, shush. No, I'm not really, I'm, I'm internet famous at most. So <laughs> uh, it's or, an important famous nowadays. Or if you're buying a Toyota, you might see me on the Toyota TV, <laughs> but that's about it. All right. So uh, let's, let's move on and talk about our next trailer, which is for a, uh, a fictional retelling of, something that happened in reality, which is that uh, the story is about a group of World War II commandos who took on some pretty seriously dangerous missions to help the UK's cause during World War II. But as serious as that sounds, the trailer for the film version 
makes it look like a fun series of crazy hijinks a la the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn version. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was maybe another movie by the the Argyle people, but it's by it's it's being directed by Guy Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's. We should probably Winston say the Churchill's- title. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Yeah. Uh, which is you know a group that Winston Churchill put together. Uh, which when I watched the trailer, I did not know that it was a real thing. I was like, this is just fun. Uh, but it does look fun. Largely because they're letting Henry Cavill be a goofball. Yeah. <laughs> and Carrie Elwes is in it. And uh, the guy who's playing Reacher in the Amazon series Reacher, he's in it. Um, Which I hear good things about, but I haven't watched yet. I've watched it. The second season's not good. Uh, okay. <laughs> I did not like it. Uh, but I, the first season was fairly entertaining. But the second season I had real problems gotcha. with. But but he's he's fine. He's a good good enough actor. And he's enormous. I mean, he is a huge dude. Uh, so it, it, it'll it be the action looks great. I mean, it's a Guy Ritchie film, so of course it looks great. Guy Ritchie is great at directing action sequences. Um, Henry Cavill does look like he's a, a unhinged maniac in it. Uh, I, I think it looks like it'd be a really entertaining film. I, it will be, by the way, absolutely 100% not accurate to how things really <laughs> unfolded in history. It's just inspired by a true story because I'm pretty sure that the person that the Alan, I think it's Alan Richardson, but it's the guy who played Reacher. I'm pretty sure that guy and the guy that Henry Cavill is playing n- never really worked together. They were both commandos during World War II, but I don't think that they were working with each other. And so I think gotcha. it's like a lot of liberties are taken with the uh, historical facts, but that's, that's in order to make an entertaining action film. And I'm fine with that. Uh, I, you know, I should, I should read a book or watch a documentary if I want the actual history. Um, that's not what I, I go to. That's not what I look to for entertainment personally. Yeah. I know some it's, it, this is great. not, this is not Oppenheimer is what we're saying. <laughs> Uh, which I I still have yet to see, but I guess I should watch it. Wow. Yeah. It's just so long. It's heavy too. It's a heavy film. Okay. One of our mutual friends was like, there are funny moments in it. And I'm like, well, there are, if there, there are funny moments in it. I mean, some of, some of them are kind of funny in that wry sort of sarcastic way, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I stopped at the Barbie half of the bar- Barbie Heimer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh Something else that I haven't watched are any of the three Despicable Me movies that have come out. Um, Which means you're going to be really behind when Despicable Me 4 comes out. Yes, which uh, the trailer looks cute. Agreed. Uh, It feels more like a sequel to The Incredibles than to Despicable Me from what I know about Despicable Me. Agreed. I've seen the first Despicable Me I remember very little about it other than, of course, the fact that the minions are little agents of chaos and are appear to have been specifically designed to move merchandise. Um, And they like bananas. They like bananas and they like uh, uh, physical humor. Um, It's yeah, I agree. Like this, this looks like it's fine. I don't actually considering some of the previews we saw, like compare it to the second best hospital in the galaxy, it looks far more entertaining to me. Like, yes, you know, it just, it looks to, it it doesn't look like it's necessarily for me, but it does look like it's a really well-made entertaining film. So it's nice because I don't look at it and think, Oh, well this is, they're just walking through the paces and they're just, you know, milking this franchise to get as much money as possible. It looks like they actually put a put real work into making it an entertaining, silly movie. I agree. In fact, it might be the most appealing despicable me trailer I've seen to date. Yeah. You know what? I think I agree with you on that. Um, you know, uh, uh, so uh, if, if I had kids that dragged me out to go see it, I think I would enjoy it and I would be okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I can't imagine any other scenario where I go see this movie. <laughs> Uh, if you got paid uh, to see the movie. Sure. Yeah. If people want to start paying me to see movies, then yes. 
I, that would be lovely. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, uh, the next thing we've got to talk about is we've got first looks at Universal Epic Universe in Orlando, I believe. Yes, this is uh, the the third of the Universal Parks. It's scheduled to open in 2025. And uh, so we got like some some treatments of uh, like artist renditions of what the park is supposed to look like once it's finished. There will be five lands in the park. Uh, first thing I want to say before we really get into the lands is that they talked about putting the park back into amusement park and that this is going to have a lot of landscaping, lots of trees and flower beds and water features and stuff. The artist rendition is phenomenal. It looks so inviting. It really makes me wish that Disney in particular had paid that kind of attention to landscaping for their, like magic kingdom is nice. Once you, by the time you get up to the magic, you know, the, to Cinderella's castle. But mm -hmm. like, I think of like, uh, until Epcot's journey of water, that was kind of like a concrete, just wasteland. Yeah. And, yeah, and Hollywood studios feels that way too. So yeah. And even in the new lands, which are very like evocative of the IP that they're built around and, and immersive, but there's no like toy story land. There's no shade. If you're there in the middle of the day, you're going to die. Yes. Toy story <laughs> land is designed to make you think, man, I wish I were on that planet. The dune is set on. Cause I bet it's cool and breezy compared to where I am right now. Yes. And parts of parts of Galaxy's Edge, too. Yeah, I, I forgive it a little bit more there because there's more things for me to pop into to hide. Yeah. The Epic Universe design just looks very lush. Uh, again, it's an artist rendition. It's not like they haven't finished building it. So hopefully the finished product does look like the artist's rendering because it was very pretty. But OK, so I haven't been to Universal in a long time. Uh, I think the last time I went was shortly after they added the mummy roller coaster. So a lot of the new stuff I haven't seen. Yeah. Including like Harry Potter land or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but when I went, uh, the like kind of the, the Atlantis area sure. and also the Jurassic park area, I thought were already pretty lush comparatively to Disney. Cause I had been to Disney a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those, well, specifically the Jurassic park now Jurassic world area is, uh, is, is pretty lush and jungle. Like, um, the Atlantis area had lots of water features, but, uh, otherwise was like lots of, mm. lots of buildings. Um, this to me looks like it really does look like it's a next generation park from the, the, the sketches we saw the five lands include uh, Nintendo world. So you get your, your Mario's and potentially your Zelda's, although they did not, they did not actually tip their hand as to whether or not Zelda will be part of it. Uh, there's a, uh, how to train maybe your, donkey Kong. Maybe. Yeah. There's a, how to train your dragon world, um, which they said, you know, there'll be attractions where, you know, maybe you'll be flying on the back of a dragon. Who knows? That's awesome. Um, there's like a, uh, a requisite Harry Potter ministry and magic world, which is the one reason why I'm probably never going to this park because I'm not telling anyone how to spend their money or how to feel about things. But I have, I have deep personal objections to JK Rowling and I, I cannot justify any of my money going toward her if I can help it. So that's a real bummer for me because the other stuff at the park looks amazing. The dark universe stuff, which is like all the classic universal horror monsters and attractions built around them. I really would be interested to see what they do with that. So there's a lot of yeah. like really cool ideas that are on display in these first looks. And, um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was really impressed. Me too. I, so I've been trying to get D Tony to universal because I, I feel like the rides are better there than it. Like, as far as like just straight out thrill of a ride, I feel like uh, Universal does that better. I think yes. Disney's like Rise of the Resistance is brilliant. It's brilliant, uh, but it's an experience. Um, well, I, I would say things like like the Tron ride is a great thrill ride, but it lasts like a minute and a half. 
Uh, Slinky yeah. Dog Dash is a great little coaster. Like it's not super intense, but it's, you know, I think I think it's like at least on the level of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Um, yeah. And, you know, but yeah, Disney, Disney doesn't really do the crazy thrill rides because they they err in favor of family friendly attractions that are good yeah. for the whole family. And then Universal's like, well, hold my beer. We're going to build ourselves a roller coaster that's going to shoot you out at 80 miles per hour and then turn you upside down. Yeah. But I mean, up and up until Batu, really, I felt like Universal was better at making their parks. I mean, more so with Islands of Adventure than with Universal Studios. So Universal Studios is, is great, too, because it feels like a backlot. More themed. inviting, more more themed. Yeah, you, you you really feel like even in like the area with like Dudley Do-Right and Popeye, which are both pretty old. You know, I don't know how many of like Gen Z or Gen Alpha know who they are. But like even those areas felt way more like I felt way more I was stepping into that world. Um, yeah, you could tell that a lot of former Imagineers from Disney had done a lot of work with Universal. Yeah. Like as as much as I don't like the Rowling and her her uh, effects in the world, there's no denying that the Harry Potter lands that are in both Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure are some of the best themed amusement park lands I've ever seen. Yeah. But I, I've wanted to get Tony to universal to see if he'd like it better than Disney. And we, we haven't gone yet. And this Mario world, great opportunity. Cause I think he would really enjoy that. And that would be a draw for him. If we go to Japan, we'd go to it in Japan, but I don't know how soon we'll be doing that. Um, <laughs> it's a long so, plane ride. It is a long plane ride. I got to get my back in better shape, but which I'm working on, but uh but, you know, I wish I could buy like a fractional pass and just skip that one land. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. I w- yeah, I wish there was like, here's the pass you can buy where none of the money goes to J.K. Rowling. <laughs> like, OK, I'll take yeah. that one. Um, yeah, oh, the Harry Potter land, the Ministry of Magic land, in case you are curious, is supposed to uh, evoke both the Ministry of Magic from the Harry Potter series, as well as. 1920s era uh fantastic beasts stuff and i'm like did are people still do people still care about fantastic beasts because when i watched that first movie i was like this is pretty terrible so i did i i also agree with you i was not a fan of the and if you like the fantastic beast movie you know we've got a lot of media for a lot of people sure yes uh but i wasn't a huge fan of it however Stepping into 1920s London streets does sound fun to me. And 1920s, like speakeasy prohibition era. Like that's, that's a fun, a fun uh, era to dabble your toes in. Yeah. I just don't need the Harry Potter stuff to make that fun. Like it could just, it could just be a period appropriate, (laughs) like part of the amusement park. Yeah. But anyway, it does look like it's going to be really impressive. It also, I mean, it's obviously, a shot across the bow of Disney because for the longest time, the, the story was, if you go down to Orlando, you book a week's worth of vacation. You spend almost all of that week at Disney. Maybe you have a day where you go to the universal park or both parks. Now what Mm -hmm. universal is saying is that by building out this third park, they're creating a week's worth of activities in one spot so that people will be going down to Orlando, not to go to Disney, but to spend a week at universal. See, that's what I liked about Islands of Adventure and Universal. If you went at the right time, you could go through each park twice. Like, and it wasn't that there was a lot of stuff. It was just, it was very well planned out and the queues were good. If you don't get stuck into the Dudley Do-Right Falls queue forever. Yeah, I've never um, ridden that ride because the, I'm not big on water rides. Oh, see, Universal has the best, like, the best water rides I've been on. Dudley Do-Right Falls is a lot of fun. Um, the Popeye Raft Ride is brilliant. I love it. I think I, I just don't so like walking much. around in wet jeans. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, I'm past the age where like I could go to a theme park and put my shorts in a in a locker and just walk around in my bathing suit all day. I know people <laughs> do, but I'm past that age. I used uh, to do it at Six Flags. Here's the here's the funny thing is that being a guy, I actually am probably about to hit that age where you know nice. we just stop caring. <laughs> I mean. 
you know, it, it would be great if I could stop caring. It's something I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to my therapist. Well, uh, but I mean, I also know Harry Potter is still important to a lot of people who are maybe not who are who are being targeted by the bad stuff as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's complicated, is, right? A, I think that's something it's a decision each person has to make. And yeah. you shouldn't have me influence your decision one way or the other. Like this is a personal decision for me. I'm not advocating for anyone else to feel the same way or to perform the same way, but it's, I can't, I can't justify it for myself. Yeah. I I just wanted to put that out there because I know we have listeners who have liked Harry Potter in the past. And you know, if, if it's important to your journey, I understand. Yes. I, I'm not going to judge. I'm not judging anyone for their fandom. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good point to make Ariel. Yeah. Uh, unless you want to play the Downton Abbey-esque relationship sim RPG. In which case, <laughs> screw Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> no, that's just, a, I'm just kidding. Yeah. When you put this in, when you put this in, Ariel, I was like, what? And after I read it, I thought, oh, okay. So it's not, it's not literally a Downton Abbey RPG. I see what you mean by Downton Abbey-esque in that, it's an RPG that deals with class structure, but it also puts it in the framework of the world is going to end. Yes, it's so bizarre. Uh, so you you have to uh, investigate an abandoned man and and who Lord an abandoned mansion. Uh, you have to attend high society balls, and then also like fight monsters, but right. also develop relationships uh and romance <laughs> yeah it's supposed to it's supposed to really evoke sort of these uh class distinctions and divisions in society while also telling the story of impending world doom and it as i was reading this i was i was like it's hard for me to feel this isn't a hat on a hat situation where you like you have a good idea, but then you overcomplicate that good idea by putting a different good idea on top of your good idea. <laughs> but, yeah. but I don't know, maybe, maybe if I were to play through it, I would say, Oh, I get it now. Maybe like I can't judge it just based upon a description of the thing. I kind of need to experience the thing. I will say it sounds very imaginative. Yes. Yeah. Like when I, when I first heard about it, when I was when I was reading through the news, and I was like, "What? What in the world?" Like, I like Downton Abbey. I know that's that's a giant geek fandom, right? Uh, I was like, "Relationship video game." Yeah, I will say uh, we haven't named the game yet. It's called Our Brilliant Ruin. Oh, that's yeah. that, we're, we're getting real bad at that because we just jump into the description. But yeah, our Our Brilliant Ruin is the name of the game, and they've got a. Um, they're, they're launching a Kickstarter to back this. Uh, and, and while I have my misgivings just because it feels like it's, uh, like almost like an overcomplication, I am intrigued. Yeah. And I'm sorry for not naming things. I just assume you guys are all in my brain. Uh, I I was, if there's same here. Yeah. If if we ever put out an episode where we don't name any of the things that we're actually talking about, you can match them up with our show notes uh, <laughs> and then win a sticker. I will send you a sticker in the mail. Uh <laughs> yeah. No no telling what it'll be. It could be, you know, it could be a sticker from He-Man or Jim and the Holograms, well, or maybe it's an I voted I, in Georgia. <laughs> it's gonna be a holographic alien sticker that I got out of a quarter slot machine, like 15 years ago and then lost in a drawer somewhere and only recently found don't make that's or like a rose don't make, maybe it'll be it could also be a, a temporary tattoo of the same i'm just uh, saying don't make promises because if you actually have to deliver you're gonna have to track something like that down well we just have to remember to name the properties we're talking about okay well then let's and t- i actually did find a bunch of that in a, a drawer recently so i have it to give well i i actually have a similar story to chat about which is punk is dead which is another tabletop RPG that's looking for backers. This one on backer kit, not Kickstarter. Uh, but this one is part of the Mjork Borg uh, uh, universe of game rules. And it's set in a post-apocalyptic United Kingdom. It's after nuclear bombs have been dropped to the point where 
they ran out of nuclear bombs to drop and the people who have survived are uh, uh, struggling in a world where weird monsters are crossing over like through a rip in in reality and you play as a member of a punk rock game and part of the game mechanics involved the players writing punk rock songs. And I said, heck yes. And backed it immediately. It does sound good. Honestly, the, I didn't get to watch much of it cause you added it late and I was driving back home. Yeah. But, uh, listening to the very beginning of the video on the, on the fundraiser site, uh, sounded like rock band or not rock band guitar hero. And I was super into it. Yeah. It's a, it it's, it's such a weird idea that you're like, you're like this adventuring punk rock band. And part of your, the way you survive is through composing punk rock songs. Uh, It Mm -hmm. it just was very creative, but again, like it's interesting because both our uh, brilliant ruin and punk is dead are set in these, in one case, soon to be apocalyptic world. In the other case, a post-apocalyptic world. They're taking these, uh, very, both cases, very English kinds of mm-hmm. concepts. Cause we're talking about the English version of punk rock. Like you're talking about like sex pistols, kind of punk rock, as opposed to the New York style, like Ramones and such. So it's, it they to me like they go hand in hand it's so interesting that both of these are are launching for uh for for crowdfunding at the same time my my uh off the wall fan theory they are the same world just one pre pre apocalypse and one post apocalypse i i 100% agree i think that that's the case <laughs> yes uh <laughs> All right, we have two stories left. Yeah, uh, as is tradition, although who knows this after a heart to heart talk with Ariel before the show, it may not be a tradition much longer because we might I might show mercy to her because uh, (laughs) I don't I don't want to emotionally scar my co-host and dear friend. (laughs) We've got a couple of trailers for some horror movies that are coming up and the first up is a trailer for a film called Tarot. And the immediate reaction I had from watching this, so concept is a bunch of teenagers find this cursed deck of tarot cards and they do a tarot card reading and then they're all slowly being hunted down by various malevolent uh, forces. My first reaction was, this feels so similar to me to the premise of Talk to Me, which was that that movie with the the dismembered hand and you would Mm -hmm. hold the hand and you would say a little chant. You would have like spirits take you over briefly because again, that was like done as the style of a a bunch of kids playing a game. This feels very much the same, but it didn't look as well-made or creative to me based upon the trailer. I, I would have to agree there. Uh, It gave me the vibe of a, not fun evil power rangers uh <laughs> like all of the card people are evil power rangers mm-hmm. uh or or uh something to that effect yeah yeah i i wanted to like it more but instead what i did was i sent it to friend of the show shay because she used to read tarot cards all the time for her friends and I, I I thought her reaction was going to be that she would be rolling her eyes at how they depicted it and just be like, this is so, so Hollywood for them to interpret tarot cards this way. Instead, her response was, I want to see it. <laughs> of course, yeah. of course. Uh, it could. Uh, so when I said Power Rangers, it doesn't look that fun. Uh, Maybe like a, a super dark episode of Supernatural as well. Um, I felt like there was a little bit of. Oh, I don't know. I was going to say Final Destination, but not really. Um, I guess the talk to me is probably the the closest analog I can give. Yeah. Uh, and then our last trailer is for Lovely Dark and Deep. And I started watching it and then I stopped because I wimped out. So Ariel explained to me she enjoys camping because she has something broken in her brain. And... Uh, <laughs> 
and likes to forgo the comforts of a civilized home in the city. And so <laughs> I say this as, as someone who grew up in rural Georgia. Um, I, but no, it's it's a it's a story where there's a woman who takes a job as a park ranger. Uh, she is stationed at this one particular park where there have been some disappearances in the past. And then there are all these indications that something supernatural and creepy is going on. Uh, the trailer also describes it as being an, an entry that's in the cosmic horror genre. Uh, although I honestly, Ariel, you know, I mentioned that before the, the podcast that it does say it's cosmic horror and that's kind of your jam. You love cosmic horror, but I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know that the trailer really depicts it in a way where the cosmic horror element seems evident to me. So it may still not be your thing, right? It may just be that someone described it that way, but I thought it looked intriguing because it does give like this sort of mystery of what actually is going on. What sort of elements are at play? Is there really supernatural stuff happening or is this stuff that's just happening in, in the main character's mind? Do we have an un, reliable narrator situation going on. I don't know the answer, but I thought the cinematography looked good and it, it has me interested. So uh, I will probably see this. Great. I I will give, I will give the trailer another shot. And then if you see it and you're like, this is totally your jam Ariel. Yes, I will go see it. Right. And if, Um, and if I see it and I say don't because you want to continue to enjoy camping, then you won't go see it. Correct. Uh, and you know what? Uh, Jonathan said this tradition may end and let us know. I, I just want to like end on a, a happy story every once in a while. But if you guys really like ending with my discomfort, I'm to- like, that's more important to me. So just let us know. <laughs> and <laughs> Jonathan, how can they let us know? Well, the way you'll let us know is that you're going to go out into the woods and walk out until you find an old abandoned shed where the door is just barely hanging on by a hinge. You're going to open the door to that shed and walk in, and you're just going to barely be able to see as little rays of light, shafts of light are shining through the gaps in the wooden boards, barely illuminating the interior of that shed. And there you will see a collection of mannequins, all of which are missing various limbs and they all have faces drawn on their heads, but the, there's something wrong with the faces. They're they're halfway sliding off. It's almost as if the skin that would be there was just sloughing from their skulls. And as you stand there, they all just slowly turn towards you. And as one, the remaining arms slowly reach out and then hand you a birthday cake because it's your birthday and they want to celebrate <laughs> and they sing a happy song and they give you presents. And then they say <laughs> that you are the best. And then at the end, I'm going to come out and I got a little pony for you, just like you always wanted. And then I say, what's your question? And that's the happy that's note delightful. I'm ending on. Thank you. That's delightful. I'm fine with that too. Uh, I, I like little ponies. Little, little Sebastians, as it were. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, if, if I don't know, if you're allergic to ponies, um, you can reach out to us on social media, on Twitter slash X, where LNC underscore podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, threads, and uh, Discord. We are Large Nerdron Collider. Uh, I'm not bored. I'm just trying to remember them all. Um, we're technically on blue sky, but that's different. And I don't remember offhand and I don't, I haven't, I, I will eventually start using that as she well. She doesn't remember how to log in anymore. I mean, you're not entirely wrong. <laughs> I do have to figure it out every time. Um, it's just that the handles for that are so long. Yeah. I kind of like this ending. Um, you can also reach out to us. Uh, if you need a discord invite, it is on our website, www.largenerdrunkcollider.com. Or you can email us to, you know, just say hi or to ask for an invite or anything else. Uh, our email is largenerdrumpod at gmail.com. And I think that's all the ways you can reach us. Um, 
Until next time, I have been Ariel Scaredy Pants Caston. And I have been Jonathan Genuine Strickland. <laughs> Ride it, my pony! <laughs> the Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.